The million dollar question, how do entrepreneurs transition from self-employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters, and this podcast has the million dollar answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Guys, welcome to CEO Secrets. This is our uh, podcast where we interview uh, CEOs across the country, and we are in a unprecedented time in the U.S. economy, and I've got a very unique guest on today, Dan Noma, um, broker owner in Arizona, his company Venture REI. Um, he actually uh, built uh, in the Great Recession, and not only did he um, survive, he thrived during the Great Recession, and his his group in based out of Phoenix, Arizona, um, sold over 3,600 house, 3,600 homes in 2019. 3,600 homes in 19 in 2019. And you might be wondering, well, how many salespeople does it take to sell 3,600 homes? And the most astonishing <laughs> thing about that is he they sold over 36 homes with only 25 salespeople, 25 salespeople, and over 3,600 closing. It is absolutely insane. Um, you know, Dan, ever since I met you at, at, at um, Inman in January, you've been my idol. So thanks for being on the show, Dan. Awesome. Thanks for having us, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, right before going live, we were both talking about what our prediction is in the economy. And so this is recorded, so it'll be fascinating to look back at this. Yeah. Six to 12 months, but we're both, we're both saying that in real estate, there's a lag, you know, cause like your closing pipeline is 30, 60 days out. Right. And so we were both saying it's probably going to be like June, July timeframe where it really sucks for us right. from a closing perspective and money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a little painful for a little while. So, you know, keep, keep your powder dry. I've been saying to my team here is, you know, we're kind of don't know what the next few weeks are going to, going to roll out for us, but you know, chins up and keep our powder dry. We'll be all right. We'll weather the storm and, and get through it. You know, a lot of people talk about how when you are going into a shifting market, it's actually, you know, I don't know if you uh, look at all these curves of like, you know, some of the greatest companies over the course of the last hundred years in America, a, a lot of them seem to have, um, you know, they, they get an un, a disproportionate market share when they can make it, if they can weather the storm, right. um, would you agree we're going to see the same thing happen? Or do you think this is going to come and go too quickly for agents to drop out of the, of the industry? Too early to tell, right? I, I think that there, you know, we are already seeing a lot of agents that are living closing by closing and check by check, week by week that are, are already struggling. Like I'm starting to see it across some of our other, our education course and things where agents are responding back to us saying, hey, I need to pump the brakes. I need to go in the saving mode. So I think it's, for me, it's mindset, you know, Chris, like I, I'm a, I'm a big mindset guy. And so for me, I, I think about it and I'm like, what can we build from this? Right. I think that any set of circumstances we can build from, and there's opportunity in that. We just have to find what that's going to look like. Yeah. It's probably too early to start putting my pin on it and say, okay, this is the next opportunity. But I do think that there's, you know, going to be some fallout of agents of this for sure. But I think you're going to have some agents that do thrive in, I'm not saying they're chasing ambulances, but they're going to shift their business in a, in a way that is, you know, either more tech based that becomes complementary to the new market climate, or they start shifting into, you know, team models and things like that, where that are, that are, you know, again, complementary to kind of a more of a sustainable type of income versus just living check to check, close to close. So that's at least my, my two cents on it today. 
Where do, where do you think from a lead generation perspective, the best opportunities are to find clients during a very challenging climate yeah. when consumer confidence is low? Yeah. So this is a question that like my community has been asking me over the last couple of days. And I've, I've actually, you know, I've not yet come out with how, how I think we should present this, but I do think that there's the, the value of certainty is going to go up when in an uncertain time. Right. And so for us, like specifically being in Phoenix, we live in this world that, that the iBuyer is king. And if we can market to our consumers and letting them know that we can, we can be an option for them without letting humans and other people into their homes, they don't have to subject themselves to any showings, open houses, any of that. We can deliver them certainty in what might be an uncertain time. Uh, these guys aren't going to cancel. They're not going to cancel over, you know, petty things. You don't have to wait in an appraisal or a loan, loan approval or, the, you know, the buyer's not going to lose their job because it's an institution. I think we're going to find that that's, that's a message that resonates with the consumers for, for a little while here. So, you know, my thought is, is we figure out a way to position the language of this so that we're not necessarily chasing ambulances because I don't want to do that, take advantage of, you know, what we've got. But at the same time, how can we service our consumers and letting them know that, hey, we can do this without being invasive. We can deliver you, you know, a level of certainty. So I think that the message to my database is really going to be, you know, let's talk about certainty in uncertain times. And, you know, if certainty is something that you're looking for today, call me because I can help you with some, you know, deliver some certainty as well. That's great. That's good advice. Yeah. I know your, you know, your, your brain works in a very analytical fashion. And I'm curious, are you tracking the cost per lead? Because I've, I don't know about you, but I'm noticing cost per lead across a lot of different medias uh, going down substantially. Yeah. Yeah, we are. So, I mean, we do a lot of our own lead gen, right? So we, we spend a lot of time data mining and just trying to understand who we think is the most likely next seller or who we can deliver the best value proposition for. Um, so for us, like our cost of lead is, is pretty cheap. But yeah, I'm already starting to see new pricing come out for, for some of our vendors that we use. Um, so yeah, I think my cost to transact is certainly going to decrease, you know, coming up here soon. So let, let's talk um, about, uh, you know, how you're able to generate that many leads. So you have a, a team of people that are, are essentially circle prospecting around um, homeowners that you have identified as highly likely to sell. Right. And we don't have to go into those details, but how many people do you have um, doing that prospecting and speaking to folks generating potential nurture opportunities? Yep. So we've got, we've got four people on the phones today that are nurturing like those kind of top of funnel leads. So just that initial conversation of, Hey, are, you know, would you consider a no obligation appointment to talk about what your options are? That's kind of the top, top of funnel conversation. Uh, once it dwindles down, there's two people that are actually setting appointments for my team. Um, and so those guys are look, get, getting a little bit more into the detail. We're trying to really understand if this person's real or are they just kind of kicking tires and they're fishing. We still service those that are kicking tires and fishing. Like the worst case scenario is these people get added to our database. And at some point we might have the best value for them. Um, so we want to, we want to value those, but the people that are hot right now, they actually do have something kind of coming up life as in a life cycle. Um, we're, we're targeting those people pretty, 
you know, pretty actively. As far as data goes, like that's where we geek out, right? So that's that's kind of the, the secret sauce is, you know, how do we how do we get to data? And uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about this to different audiences all over the place, and yeah. I, it's really not hard. It's not simple. I'm not doing anything that I don't think any other agent or brokerage could be doing. But you know, we market with the message of the moment to the right people, and those right people are just people that have some kind of association to whatever that property is. So I'm a firm believer and like trying to predict some events. So my two top lead generation tools are circle prospecting around instant offers or iBuyer purchases in our market. So for us, you know, last month we had one of the iBuyers, they bought 600 homes in our market and I'm circle prospecting like 100 most likely sellers around there. So I, you know, really what I got was 6,000 leads when those guys did that. Cause now I just market to that consumer and say, Hey, do you know what your neighbors did at one, two, three main street last night? They sold their property to one of these instant offer companies. You know, I'm not sure if you know about this or what that means to you, but there's a ton of available options. Our business is changing. I want to be the person that just shows you what your options are in case something changes in your world. And you might be willing to sell. This is a really good time to at least look and see what your options are right now with that message three out of ten consumers we talk to is at least willing to have a conversation about it which is kind of cool and then the second one for us is lease expires like landlords i've never met a landlord that wasn't willing to at least look at an option or an offer right so before they commit to a new lease with a new tenant or before they've um list the property for sale or fix it up for the next tenant. We, you know, we try to reach out to them about 120 days out from their, their current lease exp expiration date. And we just contact them and say, look, before you do anything, let's just explore your options. No, no obligation here. Let's just see what, what options are available to you. What's been surprising about that is we're not only getting seller leads, these guys are willing to sell, but they also become buyers for us, right? They say, hey, you know, it doesn't work for me to sell right now, but if you ever see anything like this, this is specifically what I'm looking for to invest in the next time I'm looking to buy. So mm -hmm. it's created a, an interesting buy channel for us too. So not hard, not complicated, not overly expensive. And, you know, that seems to really just resonate for us. I think it's right people, right time. I mean, literally, any, you can go, that means free leads, right? Like go into yeah. the MLS, look up leases that have yeah. happened in the last like six to nine months. Yeah. And all those people that have leased in the last six to nine months, start calling them. That's it. I mean, it, yeah, I, everybody's like, man, how do you, how do you guys get that much volume? I'm like, it's, it's really not hard. Like we're just calling the right people at the right time with the, with the fair message and they respond to it, you know? And I think it's, the key is like we're leveraging the disruption and we're talking about it. And I think that for us is, that's been really successful for us rather than hide about it or bad mouth uh, the instant offer kind of methodology. We kind of come to it, bring the elephant to the room and they go, oh, well, I'd rather have an advocate or something work, working for me that is gonna bring this relationship together versus me just going directly to these guys. Cause I don't, I don't quite understand that yet, you know? So. What, um, what would, what would you like for somebody watching this, um, and they're curious, like, okay, if I start prospecting these ideal, um, leads, uh, how long is it going to take to prospect these leads before you actually generate a closing? Like how much, like, let's say you don't have the resources for a virtual assistant or mm -hmm. an, an external ISA. And like, you're just a solo agent doing this, you know, and you can, you know, maybe you can spend three, four hours a day calling these, um, these folks, like how long would you expect an agent that's having to do all of this to, yeah. how long would you expect it to, for them to get a listing signed? How long do you think that would take? 
it's pretty quick. Uh, you know, the, the best the example I can give you is we have, a, we have an agent in Atlanta who started working in this process. And he, a solo agent, he has dedicated his, his world to making 250 phone calls a day. So that's his, that's his bandwidth. He's got a small child at home. And so he's got this block of time and that's what he does. He bangs out these calls. He's right now averaging anywhere between one and four appointments per day. So he's getting himself an appointment. Of those appointments, his close rate's about 60% today. So I'm working with him to, to increase his conversion a little bit, but he's setting a lot of appointments. So I think it depends on, you know, to put, if you, in the context that you're just going to put, put checks in your bank account, probably 60 to 90 days is where you actually start to see dollars in your bank account. But, you know, I look at deposits of people's contact information and knowing when they might be interested in selling, I value that as much as I value a zero in my bank account. So being able to have a conversation with a person, putting that person in my CRM has a ton of value too. Um, so, you know, right now, if I can get, if, if I'm a new agent, I'm starting out and I can bang out a hundred calls a day and at least get one person that I can add to my CRM, that will start to, that will start to grow. You know, I think that's significant. So what about people that are listening to this and they're fearful of the do not call list and they're fearful of, you know, getting turned in and getting these huge fines. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there was some news that got put out on Inman that um, Keller Williams in Florida, you know, settled a case for uh, some agents calling um, some folks they shouldn't have been calling. What, what, like, how can you help put people's minds at ease about, you know, essentially cold calling people right. uh, that are likely to sell? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the, the first thing I'll say is like the data providers, you, you got to make sure you're picking a good data provider that does some scrubbing in advance for you, right? So anybody that's identified on the do not call, we just simply don't call. The other thing is, is we shifted our scripts, right? And so shifting the script in a, in a format where I'm not selling them anything and I'm not even like offering services. I'm saying, hey, look, I'm here to be educational. Like I, I want to just offer you some education. Is that something you're interested in? He's really shifted the way the consumer thinks about the call, right? So the consumer is not, not policing us anymore and saying, hey, I'm being solicited. They're saying, yeah, I, I might be interested in that, right? So I think it's interesting timing. And I know that doesn't answer your question exactly, but I think it's still too gray for us. Like we're seeing it too. And believe me, I've gotten the letters and I've had a deal with it a couple different ways. Um, and so I think it's, you know, early, early in that, those new regulations where consumers are still trying to figure out what is or what isn't a solicitation and from who. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you do it tactfully and you're just honest and transparent with people, the likelihood of someone cracking down on you for a solicitation is, is pretty low um, still at this point. So um, Dan, there's a lot, you know, first off, you make this sound so incredibly simple. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts to execute on this. Yeah. And I, I you, um, I'm, I'm going to tell people that are listening to this right now. Um, I personally went through a course that you created, Dan. Yep. And, um, yeah, and basically it um, kind of educates you on how to leverage iBuyers right. versus being scared of them yep. and like walks through the flow chart of like, you know, how to, you know, work with the consumer and where to get the data for the leads and like walks everybody through this. And I was kind of, I'll be honest, man, I was shocked at how inexpensive it was. 
And just for full disclosure for people watching this, Dan is not paying me a single penny to, to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't, if you go and check this out, like I'm not getting some referral fee on the back end. Um, I'm just, I'm a legit, legit, I was a really big fan of um, what Dan created, but it, I mean, it's, it was kind of shocking to me how inexpensive it was. Yeah. Um, it's what it is. So to go through your uh, course on how to do exactly what you're doing in Phoenix, yep. what is it? 500 bucks? Was it five hundred dollars? Yep. So the the course today is uh, so it's six ninety nine. So we just came out with a new version of it. So it's six ninety nine, and then we have an ongoing training uh, where we're touching we're touching our community and audience every day, and that training's uh, forty nine dollars a month to be continue to be certified. And um, you know, I mean, the the baseline of really what the the message we want to make sure we're we're telling agents listening is not you know, I'm not pro iBuyer. I'm not pro instant offer. I'm none of those things. I don't work for an iBuyer. I'm none of that. I'm a real estate agent. This industry has given me a lot. I just worry that if we as real estate agents don't shift the way that we're thinking about this and the shift the way that looking at this as an opportunity versus looking at it from a, a place of fear, that we're going to start losing consumer credibility as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea is really that, you know, like open door can never get an offer from Zillow. Zillow can never get an offer from OfferPath. But you as a real estate agent, you can get offers from all of those people and you can deliver those to your consumers in an organized and educated format. So the agent is actually empowered by this. The agent becomes the priceline.com, right? The agent becomes the travelocity of real estate. And that's really what consumers want, right? The idea of isolating and going down a silo, we're not used to. And so there's some conflict in kind of what's happening there. And so I really think it's the Amazon world and we are gonna, we're gonna live in a world now that's, you know, we gotta give consumers options. And we as the real estate community, we're positioned best to be able to do that for sure. We just have to educate ourselves on how. So the, and just let me know if I'm yep. saying this wrong, but um, the, the website to get, uh, to check out this course is irealestatepro.com. For those of you guys that don't know what the I means in iBuyer, <laughs> it stands for internet buyer. Yep. And so irealestatepro.com, I personally went through this. Um, and it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. Like one of the most robust courses to help you understand how to generate really low cost leads, like what data sources to use, the, the kind of the, the work flow chart. That was one of my favorite things you had in the course, yeah. was that work flow chart of like, basically like once you actually get somebody on the phone, they're like, yeah, go and get me offers. Right. Um, right. and then that there's a form in there. I really like the, um, permission, you know, it's like a, a, the seller doesn't sign a listing agreement. So they yep. just have to sign this form, which you guys have had a, approved by open door, right? Right. Every yeah. Buyer. I mean, all the iBuyers, yeah, they, they've looked at that form. It's our adult permission slip, right? You know, the permission to get solicit offers on the owner's behalf. Yeah. So you, yeah. you got that form on there as a template for people to use. They go to the house, they do a property assessment report, get the permission form filled out. And then there's a spreadsheet on there in the course um, where, you know, basically like after you've collected all the offers from the iBuyers, you fill it out. And then you can also fill out like what a traditional buyer would pay. Right. So they, the seller's empowered to make their decision. I mean, it was awesome. It was really, really good. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, uh, the goal was really just to empower real estate agents for the best consumer experience. And we think that that means giving consumers choice and putting the consumer in the driver's seat. That's where I think future referrals come from for us, you know?
Cool. Yeah. What, um, so I know you did something with Fidelity, right? Like what's the deal with uh, Fidelity title? Yeah. So, you know, Fidelity has been a great partner of ours uh, since I really started in the industry. And uh, so we've been, we've been traveling around the country, uh, you know, educating the Fidelity brand agents across the country on disruption and really what to do with this disruption and how to manage the disruption. So you guys may catch us or see us at a, at a, at a future Fidelity sponsored event out there. Um, but we're out there, you know, beat the streets with those guys to, uh, to spread the message for sure. Where could some, like if somebody wants to, you know, hear about your program, like in person at one of these fidelity events, is there, yeah. do y'all have any kind of schedule? Where people yeah. Can, um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of uh, to, to answer your question, yeah, we did. And so that was on our website at irealestatepro.com. Uh, issue is obviously we've had some shifts in, in kind of live group events and things like that. So we had a lot of, a lot of cancellations running in the last few days. Coronavirus. Um, <laughs> corona. So, so, but we are moving to, to web-based uh, you know, webinars and things like that. So if you hop on irealestatepro.com, we have messages on there of when our next webinar events will be and when our live events will get, get hosted because we will be back. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Dan, what are you, you know, if you can imagine like when the storm passes, yep. do you think we'll be in a full blown or if you had to wave a magic wand or if you had a crystal ball, yep. um, I guess it's less <laughs> waving a magic wand and more like, what's your crystal ball look like? Yep. like? You know, we said, we said at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, the months of May, June, our pipelines are going to start getting a little thinner um, and then they'll start coming back. But do you, your prediction, you know, is it, will be in a full-blown recession for you know 18 months like back in 08 09 or do you think it's more a short-lived thing given that you know the market crashed so fast and so suddenly yeah i think it's short-lived I, I don't really see this being having the the same recipe that we saw in in 08 09 um i really do believe that you know we're, what we're seeing now is is just a knee-jerk reaction to to really what did happen in 08 09 right guys are trying to keep their assets as much of their assets as they possibly can so they're doing damage control really early um, whereas we did it probably too late last time so i think there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions going on i can tell you like institutionally there's just there there's a lot of capital waiting on the sidelines for any kind of market correction right so whatever we see as far as a recession goes even if it's you know a five or a ten percent correction in the market, you're going to see an interest in capital to jump into buying assets right away. So learning how to leverage investors or institutional investors in your markets is probably going to be a big deal because those guys are waiting for some kind of correction. They're looking for yield. They, there is a lot of cash still sitting on the sidelines for them to jump into our markets. So I think we have we'll we'll sustain for a while with just that that hangover cash that's waiting around institutionally. But, you know, when that dries up, what does our market look like? I just think we have a, a lot less single family homes sitting on the market out there. And we're, you know, the, the, the idea of just, sit, you know, first time buyer, you might have to be almost a move up buyer to afford your next house in the future, but who knows? Who knows? So um, it's interesting you say that uh, Warren Buffett ha is, you know, been getting Warren Buffett's been getting criticized yeah. by his shareholders and other people because he hasn't been deploying cash the last couple of years. And he's sitting on a record of one hundred and twenty eight billion dollars in cash. Yeah which is crazy. So there's yeah. a lot of people just like him, like yeah. waiting 
Yeah. Like you see, I mean, Warren, Warren Buffett's probably people like him are licking their chops right now to take advantage of this downturn. Big companies too. I mean, we're getting calls from the Goldman's of the world and Blackstone and, and those guys are still patient, not ready to spend it, but talking about yield already and believing that there's, there's going to be a yield play for them as soon as things correct and they at least know what the future is going to hold then they can really start to deploy and take advantage of some of those opportunities. So I think, think, do you think in the short term people, any of these iBuyers will slow down their purchasing? Yeah, I I think so. I think that, you know, them just like to your point, they're going to have this hangover period where they're, they've got properties to sell. None of those guys are holding assets and renting them. So they've got to, they've got to move the inventory. So if the, 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 the properties are sitting longer on the market, they'll certainly buy less. But, you know, the, the, the flip side of that is they also increase their profit margins. So their fees increase, right? So there's a certain segment of consumers that are willing to give up a lot, lot more equity than others. And so what will happen is as their fee increases, their profits will actually probably sustain. They probably won't see much change as far as profitability goes. I think transactional volume it will be different, though. It'll just be more expensive to work with these guys. But they're, you know, they, will, they will still maintain their, their same, same profit levels. So the, the, what you're referencing are the service fees and each iBuyer yeah. has a different service fee. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those, those are potentially going to go up. So yeah. 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 I agree with you on that. Yeah. That's how they throttle their, their flow, you know, so they're throttling their flow based on their service fee. So, you know, a successful market where they're buying five, 600 homes a month, you could see service fees pretty low if they want to slow that number down, that service fee starts to increase and there's less people that are willing to take those offers, but the service fee is so much more that they're earning more on less properties. Therefore they're still transacting. Mm-hmm. So, what, um, what are you guys doing to deal with buyers that don't want to go inside homes or sellers that don't want to, you know, have people walking into their homes? How are you, you know, eliminating that fear? Yeah. So right now, Yep, this will be our first weekend doing it. But uh, so our vision is to to go out and actually we use BombBomb. So we're going to go out, we're going to go film all of our properties that we were going to host open houses on this weekend. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have virtual open houses. So, you know, still set up signs, still do all those things because right now we're not in full on lockdown in Phoenix. Um, and in that way, when consumers want to or they see a sign or see an address, advertise it out there, they could still see the house virtually. Um, and then if they want further review, like we'll contact them, we'll do it via FaceTime. That's probably our best solution today. Um, you know, we've seen some other technologies out there using uh, VR glasses and things like that that we're looking at. But I think for now, like even it just offering kind of the virtual open house for consumers, I think, I think you're going to find a lot of consumers that are bored, right? So it's a really good time to offer them a gimmick and say, hey, yeah. you know, let's talk, let's, let's give you something to do Saturday. Come visit my virtual open house. Well, no one's ever done that before. So let's try it, you know? So there's, there are the um, Oculus goggles, right? Yep. And yep. you can, is it, does matter? So there's a, a piece of hardware called a Matterport. Yep. And can you, I haven't done it, but I, I mean, I thought, um, I thought I heard that you could um, do a, I mean, we have a Matterport and we scan a lot of our listings, but is there, is there, do you know if there's a way to take the Oculus goggles and integrate that with your Matterport scans? Not with Matterport, but the, the technology that, that we've been beta testing, it's called Avatour. So it's A-V-A-T-O-U-R. 
and Avatour, um, I think, is still in beta. I'm not sure he's actually ready to, to, to launch at Mal Markets, but they might have still some beta available. Um, is awesome. Like you put your goggles on and then you as the, the person driving, you're in the house and the consumer walks in and they're, they're, they're in a virtual world with you. So as you're walking through the door, they're walking through the door. Uh, you can see where they're looking. So that person becomes a, becomes an avatar. So you can see what the consumer is looking at. That was what really drew me to the technology because now I can see like if the consumer is looking at the fireplace, now I can, as a good salesperson, I could say, Oh, I see you're looking at the fireplace. Like, you know, here, here's more features about that fireplace, right? And uh, the ability to kind of have that avatar and see what our consumers are looking at as we're touring the house is really, really helpful. Um, so I think we're going to see more of those technologies kind of roll out because it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. So is, is the consumer at their home and you give them the goggles? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So we, the way we've tested is we've, we've actually sent our consumers that were out of state. We've sent them goggles that are branded for us. So we sent them, we didn't do the Oculus ones. We sent them just the cardboard ones from uh, Amazon. They're like 15 bucks. What are they we called? Sent, uh, the, the Amazon ones. So they're just cardboard on Amazon. And we, we fire those out to them. We put like one of our venture stickers on it. And, uh, and then we just tell them to go live with us at a certain time. So we set up a meeting request with them and we say, hop in, hop into this virtual world with us and they could do it right for their, from their home, their desk, wherever. Um, so again, like it, it was a total test for us. I actually saw them at Inman, uh, Las Vegas last year. And that's where we started playing with, uh, playing with the technology. But I think there's, there's going to be a lot of, lot of eyes on new technologies like that because it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Okay, so let me just um, let me go through that one more time. So you like this one? Yeah, okay. this is good, man. Yeah, you like so, this? Yeah. yeah so, so Google Cardboard. Yeah. Um, you can go on Amazon and type in Google Cardboard. Yeah. And you can buy these things for anywhere. I'm I'm looking right now. You can buy them yeah. anywhere from like seven bucks to fifteen dollars. Um, and the official, it says the official Google cardboard one is out of stock right now, by the way. Yeah. Um, but the, there's an off brand one, I guess. And so you, you, you send these to consumers and then you as the agent do the walkthrough of the house. Is that accurate? Right. Yeah. So you as the agent and there's a, Avatar sends you a very specific camera. So uh, it's not expensive, but it's, it's one of those like 360 cameras. Uh -huh. And so you just plug that in and it runs through their app. And um, it's the like virtual reality has been around for a while now. Real-time virtual reality is a different story, right? The ability to actually have a conversation with someone in that virtual environment is different. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we're talking about as far as Avatour is that you now can be live in a virtual environment with Avatour. And so you as the agent are walking around the subject property, the consumer is sitting home on their couch, they've got your goggles on, branded, and you're touring the house, they can see everything they want to see. You know, they can, they could, you know, if they're standing, they can spin around and see 360 view of what you're looking at, uh, tell you to go back to certain areas, right? So like if they really want to go back to the master on a Matterport tour or some of these other tours, technologies, like kind of have to start over or maybe they can't go back to those rooms. With this, you, they just tell you to walk back in the master and you're back in the master, right? And they can see everything again. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. You know, we've, we've used it for land. Like we had a land buyer in China. Uh, the guy was looking at opportunities here. And so we sent him out. I sent one of my guys out 
it's a lot. He wanted to see the views from the lot. So he could basically, you know, see the views as we were seeing the views. So it's pretty sweet. This work on iPhones and Androids? It did. Yeah. So it works yeah. on iPhone and Android. You, you slide your, with those cardboard goggles, you actually slide your iPhone right into it so that your iPhone becomes your screen. Hmm. So you slide the, slide the thing right into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great tool when they're, you know, like I said, I'm not sure that Avatour is quite ready to go, you know, nationwide and, and sell the product yet. Um, but I know they're still, still working on some beta programs and things like that, but the technology is there, which is good. Um, and I think that they will continue to improve that tech because that's, that's certainly the future and where we're headed. Hmm. Um, so you as the agent have to be walking through the house with a piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. And how do you see the avatar of the consumer wearing the goggles? So is that on the iPhone? No. So we, we, so we have Oculus. So we actually have an expensive Oculus pair on. Mm-hmm. And with that, we can see their technology puts the consumer as an avatar on our screen. So now I'm looking at the consumer as a little avatar. So if you and I were talking, I would see Chris as an avatar in my screen as well. And I could also see what you're looking at. So you're just, you're in front of me and I could see what you're, so if, you know, we're measuring your eyes now. So you, you know, if I, you turn left and you look at the kitchen then I can walk over there and show you into the kitchen. Uh, So the, the avatar technology is pretty, pretty cool. I wonder if, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I wonder if you could, you know, for people that live locally, if you could have them come to your office, right, and, like, grab the goggles and do the tour, like, sitting in the conference room, you know what I mean? And then, like, you have, like, a courier doing the showings. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we we were going to do, uh, like, a staged open house where we did them successively. So if we had... You know, maybe we started at 11 o'clock and we would have 10 of them in a row and we'd give each agent one of the tools and we would just go from, so you, now you've got a pool of potential buyers. They all have branded goggles. They're all sitting on their couches and we're going from open house to open house to open house to open house to open house. And they can see each one of those properties. They could tour 10, 15 open houses in an hour. Right. Yeah. You know? 10, 10 to 15 of those. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, yeah. So you'd have each of your agents at an open house and then, yeah. Um, yeah, you've got, uh, you're, you know, you could work for people local you are out of state. Yeah. 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 I mean the, you know, the 3d or the virtual technologies out there today, right? Like you buy one of those 360 cameras that you just plug into your phone and you can go out and, and you can send consumers. There's apps for that where you can send them a recorded video that gives them a 360 view of what you're looking at. It's the real time technology that is new. Um, so I think that's, that's what we're talking about today. Has that had a big enough impact on your business yet? Not yet. Uh, still too early. Like we, we, there's glitches in the tech and there's glitches on who's going to use it. I've only got a couple of people on the team that are actually even trained to use the tool. Um, so for us, it was, I was exploring it for a bunch of different things, specifically property management, because all of my property managers are out of state. Or I mean, my, all of my owners are out of state. Instead of them questioning, you know, uh, a bill for paint or a bill for a hole in the wall, we actually say, hey, go throw your goggles on. I'm going to go walk in your unit after this tenant moved out so you can see it. And that way they know that we're not trying to beat them up on anything that's not real. Yeah. Uh, even though we could do that with pictures, but hey, this is just one added value of credibility. So we do a lot of vacation rental management. So for us, like being able to, to film in, film out uh, when people are moving in and out was, was had, a, had a bunch of values. That was the original 
reason that I that I bought the tech bought the tool and then since then we've started to kind of test it with a bunch of different little things but I had no idea that uh, that we'd be in a pandemic world where we couldn't leave our houses and I would actually really need to use it otherwise I would have trained everybody on it but um, maybe we'll do it's, that this week I'm on the website it's kind of expensive it's 500 to 600 dollars a month yeah plus um, the hardware is yeah. each each scanner or, yeah. what, or thing that the agents use to video yeah. the house is several hundred dollars for each one of those. Yeah. So it's not, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Yeah. It's not cheap. I do believe though, that they do have a patent on that, that live uh, technology with the avatar. So they might be the only option for that kind of tool right now, Uh, but they're great. They've been great to work with and answering questions and they're, they're eager to see how agents are going to use it. So I'm sure his phone's buzzing today to, to get more, more information, but they're, they're early, but I think that that's a, that's a future that we got to look at as, as a potential for sure. Something interesting is we, I, I, I don't, I don't know this for certain, but we ordered a couple of these different devices that look just like the devices on the website. And we have to use these in order to do a live um, virtual tour for yeah. Zillow. Yeah. For Zillow listings. Um, yeah. We have to use this for the Zillow website and yeah. um, it looks very similar. So I think you're right. I think there's a kind of, you know, yeah. thing on these, uh, this hardware. Yeah, there's a specific app that we that we use and download from them, um, and so everything runs through that app. A consumer has to download one; we have to download one. Uh, but obviously, real time, and it is real. Like we had this guy in China, and it was it was real time. No real, no significant lag at all. Well, Dan, I want to finish up the ep- uh, finish up this episode. Just trying to extract. We, you have given us some amazing stuff so far, by the way. Uh, but I want to extract one more thing, and this is more about like you know how you evolved from being a salesperson to a CEO. What were what were some of your um, challenges and struggles and your biggest ahas? You know, when you got started in real estate and you were making that transition into a leadership role, like where did you stumble? What were your big ahas? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, I stumbled originally just on systems, um, you know, not having the right systems out there or really good systems of trackability for, for teams and agents. I, I thought everybody was wired like me and I was like, oh, well, they'll just do it and that'll happen. And then I realized quickly that they needed that, some accountability and some track to run on. So I think systems was, was a big deal for me. Um, the other, you know, biggest challenge I, I've got and probably still face is time management and just understanding that, like, you know, what's, what's the highest and best use of my time? And I do, I do have someone that holds me accountable on my team when I start running down a rabbit hole that's a little bit off of, off of those tracks because it's really easy to see the shiny object and jump into those things. And, you know, you got to stay focused to the core business. And I think that we've done a fair job of making sure that, you know, our core business is to transact real estate with real estate investors. And if I stay true to that methodology, like what can I do to complement this? But that that should always be the center of our world. And so staying focused, staying patient, um, those things that are probably sound a little bit cliche, but it's real. And uh, you know, those those are the big 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 items for me with systems and and really just being accountable for staying on task and in focus in our business. So I don't know what you did. I'll share, I can share with you what I did. And I'd love to hear your perspective is, you know, I remember basically in the early days 
you know, every time I would do something, I would like, you know, put it on a kind of like in a checklist format and, um, you know, just develop this like, you know, super long checklist for the, you know, the process you go through generating leads, you know, once you get clients in the coming soon stage, active stage, penny stage, and like each one of those stages generating checklists. And then as the business grew, each of those stages became a scope of work and essentially, you know, what got put into the job position agreement when we hired people. And it, you know, that checklist was basically the roles and responsibilities. So that, that's how I did it. What did, what did, how did you go about developing systems to create leverage for yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, the trying to think about how we, how we started to actually develop those, those tools. But I think, you know, a lot of what we ended up doing was by default, right? Like we, we lived in a world where the iBuyer, the, the institutional investor just jumped in our market. So we had to figure this stuff out kind of on the fly. Um, I would say that, you know, for us, it was like, we just looked at each kind of step of the process and said, okay, how do I, you know, for example, like we do a lot of video tours of properties. We go out and film them for our clients. Like, how do I put someone in there that's efficient enough to go see enough properties that I don't have to do that piece of the puzzle anymore? Underwriting, that was a really specific one for us. So we do a lot of like investor financial performance, right? And so we're constantly running those performance. Like how many of those guys do I need to yield the deal? Um, and what training do they need through that process? So ours is probably a little bit different than kind of your traditional retail re- real estate team. Um, but same in the context that, you know, like you said, it's really identifying where you're spending any of those times. Can you put a, can you first, you know, the answer I ask myself is, you know, can I put a, can I put a system in there? If the answer is yes, then I'm going to go for the system. If the answer is no, it has to be a human. And how can I do that at a low cost and as most efficient as possible? Um, or eventually replace that with the system. And that's our, that's our methodology. Cool. Dan, thanks so much. You've been a wealth of knowledge today. Awesome. Guys, go, go, check out, um, go check out the course Dan created. Um, I, I realestatepro.com. I personally have been through this. It's fantastic. And um, it'll definitely give you a, a competitive advantage on how to um, thrive in a market with iBuyers. And also, I think this is very timely given the market and the climate with, you know, your potential buyer, you know, having low consumer confidence. So Dan, thanks so much for being on CEO secrets today. I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Talk to you later. Absolutely.